That was fantastic, seeing the children again. Uh, my name's Jam, I'm on the staff team here, and I'm going to speak to you, but why don't we just pray first? Father, thank you that you made so many things, the big things, the small things, uh, and uh, thank you for how wonderful and how great you are. And as we look at your word now, uh, we pray that you will be speaking to each one of us through that. Amen. Okay, so this summer we've been looking at some of the stories that Jesus told in the Bible to teach us uh, various things about living the kingdom life. Uh, but I'm actually going to start with a short reading from the Old Testament. Because for the Jewish people who Jesus was talking to and telling the stories to, that was their Bible. They only had the Old Testament. It would be many years before the New Testament was written down. And so I'm going to start by reading these verses from the Old Testament from Leviticus. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor. I am the Lord your God. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So the people who Jesus was talking to knew that they were meant to be kind and to share what they had and to love their neighbors. But some of them weren't really sure who their neighbors were. And the story that we're going to hear this morning uh, was one that Jesus told to help them to understand who their neighbors were, the people that they should help. I'm going to read that story in just a moment, but before I do, I want to ask you a question. Okay, here's the question. Where would you be most likely to see little green men? Would it be in a book or a film about aliens? Would it be maybe in your dreams if you've been eating too much cheese late at night? Would it be on the streets in Leamington? Or would it be on another planet? Just uh, talk to somebody near you and tell them what you think. Okay, I'm not going to ask you. Some of you might be clever. The answer actually is on the streets in Leamington. <laughs> there are lots of them. I've been looking out on every pedestrian crossing. Now, I have to admit that I was, somebody asked me that question, and I was quite surprised by that answer. Perhaps you were too. And the reason I asked you that question is because Jesus loved to tell stories that had a bit of a surprise in them. Maybe it was because stories that have a surprise are a bit easier to remember. We remember the uh, surprises, the twists in stories. Or perhaps it was because God's kingdom is full of surprises. The way that Jesus wants us to live our lives is often quite different to the way that we might expect. So I'm going to read the story now. And as, you, as I read it, I'd like you to just be listening and looking out for people in the story who behave in a surprising way. And after the story, I'm going to ask you what you've spotted. So you're looking for people who behave in a surprising way. So here's the story. 
Here is a man. He's going on a long journey. He packs some sandwiches and a flask of tea, and then he climbs onto his donkey. Giddy up. Soon, he's left the town behind him. The sun is hot, and the long climb up the hills makes his donkey puff. The path winds between very high rocks. It's a dark place full of shadows. I don't like it here, says the man. He has a funny feeling that someone is watching him. Suddenly, there's a shout. Robbers, three of them. They steal his donkey and all his belongings. And they whack him on the head with his own stick. Poor man. He's left lying on the path. His head is bleeding and he can't move his legs. He lies there for a very long time. And then finally, he falls asleep. After a while, someone comes along the path. He's wearing fine clothes. The uh, picture might go up in a minute. There he is. A bishop. He stops, and then he hurries past, pretending not to see. Perhaps he's late for important business. Perhaps he's afraid. The man wakes up and starts to call for help. Here comes somebody, a man in a wig, a judge. Help, help. But the judge pretends not to hear, and he hurries past, just like the bishop. The sun rises high in the sky. The man is hot. His throat is dry. But here come more footsteps. Who is it? Oh, no. It's a stranger from another country. He has no friends here. Why should he stop to help? But the stranger does stop. He speaks kindly to the man in foreign words, and he helps him to drink some water. He washes his wounds, and he carefully puts a bandage round his head. The stranger helps the man up onto his donkey. He puts his arm round him to stop him falling off and he gently leads him down the path. At the next town, the stranger finds an inn. He puts the man to bed, and he pays the innkeeper. Look after him, he says, until I get back. And Jesus says at the end of the story, which one was a good neighbor, the bishop, the judge, or the stranger? So I wonder if any of the children would like to tell me who was the good neighbor in that story? Was it the judge or the bishop or the stranger? The stranger, well done guy, of course it was. So I asked you to look out for some people who were behaving in, um, in, uh, in surprising ways in that story. So let's start with the kind stranger. Because it was surprising that someone who was a stranger was the one who was willing to stop and help that poor man. In the story that Jesus told originally in the Bible, the stranger was a Samaritan, somebody from another place who the people listening wouldn't trust very much or like very much. 
my daughter is a teacher up in the northeast of England, and when she tells this story, the man who gets hurt is a Newcastle United supporter, and the stranger is a Sunderland supporter. <laughs> because all the children know that those two groups of fans wouldn't normally trust each other or go out of their way to help each other. But his attitude and, and to money and possessions was this. What's mine is yours, and I'm going to share it. Could we say that together? What's mine is yours, and I'm going to share it. And I think that's the attitude that Jesus wants us to have too, to be willing to share what we have and to use what we have to help other people. But there were other people in that story who were behaving in surprising ways as well. Did anyone spot anybody else who behaved in a surprising way? No? <laughs> Any of the grown-ups? <laughs> who behaved in a surprising way? Did somebody I heard? The judge, thank you. The judge and the bishop as well, of course. If I was hurt, I think I would expect someone like a bishop or a judge to stop and help me. I think the people who originally heard Jesus tell this story would have been surprised that those people didn't stop to help. Well, these were very important people. They were probably very busy. They probably had everything they needed in life, but they didn't really want to share it with this poor man who was in need. They didn't want to spare any time to help him or to find out what he needed. Their attitude to money or to what they had was this, what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. Shall we say that together? What's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. And I think there's a challenge here for all of us. How willing are we to share what we have, to give time to people in need? even when we're busy, to give money and resources to those who have less than we do. I've been quite sad, and so have a lot of other people recently, that our own government have decided that because of all the extra money that they've had to spend as a result of the coronavirus pandemic, they're going to give less money to people in poorer countries. Somehow, I don't think that's what Jesus would want us to do. However, it's easy to be critical of the government, but I also need to look at my own attitude to what I have. How willing am I to share the things that I have, to share my time, to share my resources? And did anyone spot anybody else who was behaving a bit surprisingly? Yeah? You're quite right, the robbers. The, uh, the people who Jesus first told this story to would have been very familiar with this road between Jerusalem and Jericho. Perhaps they knew that it was a dangerous place with lots of robbers. Or perhaps the rubber, robbers were unexpected. But it would certainly have been a really nasty surprise for that man when the robbers jumped out uh, and, and took everything from them. And the robbers had a very simple attitude to money and possessions. And it was this, what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. So shall we say that together? What's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. 
Now, I'm pretty sure that none of us would behave in that sort of way. If I met any of you on a, in a dark and lonely place, I'd be pretty sure you weren't going to beat me up and rob me. But what made the robbers behave like that? And that might be something that we've all experienced, being jealous of something that somebody else has. One of the only times I can remember from my childhood, I'm sure, I'm sure it's not the only time I was told off, but it's the one that sticks in my mind, was when I stole a crayon belonging to a friend of mine. I was quite small, um, and I don't really know why I did it, except I do know that she had a colour that I didn't have, and I wanted that colour of crayon. And so I hid it. And I don't know, maybe I thought she wouldn't notice it was gone or that she'd uh, lost it, but I was found out and my parents were really, really cross and I, I got a really good telling off. Um, I never did it again. <laughs> and now that I'm older, I feel very blessed that I have, I have what I need, everything I need. Um, but sometimes, just occasionally, I might find myself feeling a little bit envious bit jealous of something that somebody else has. Now, you'll be relieved to hear that I no longer feel the need to just steal it, um, but it isn't a good attitude to have. I need to be grateful for what I have, rather than comparing myself to other people. So we've seen three different attitudes to what we have. The robbers, what's yours is mine, I'm going to take it, I want as much as I can for myself. We had the bishop and the stranger. What's mine is mine, I'm going to keep it. And uh, not being willing to share. And then we had the kind stranger. What's mine is yours, I'm going to share it. People in Jesus' time knew that the Jewish law said that they should love God and love their neighbours. But as I said, some of them were confused about who their neighbours were. Who were the people they should be helping? But Jesus told this story to show that our neighbour is actually anybody who needs our help. Not just the people who live near us, not just our own friends and family. And the good stranger understood this. He didn't care that the man was a stranger from another town. I wonder who the strangers in our lives might be the people who God might be challenging us to make time for or to give help to. Perhaps they might be people who we might naturally be a little bit suspicious of, people who look a bit different to us, who dress differently or who have different customs. Remember that attitude that Jesus wants us to have. What's mine is yours and I'm going to share it. Can we say that together one last time? What's mine is yours, and I'm going to share it. Of course, there are so many needs in the world, and we can't possibly help everyone. So let's just take a minute of quiet now, and let's ask God to show us someone or maybe some group of people who he would like us to help this week. It might be by giving some of our time or by sharing something with them, or by giving some money to a charity that supports people. I'm going to pray first, and then we'll be quiet for just a few moments and ask God to speak to us. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you that you taught us to love other people, particularly those who are in need. We ask you to help us to be willing to share what we have. As we listen now, please bring to mind anyone you want us to share with this week and show us how we can do that. Amen. So let's just be quiet, or as quiet as we can be, just for a few moments. Heavenly Father, thank you for everything you have given us. Help us this week to be more and more aware of other people's needs and help us to be willing to share with the people you've shown us or with those we meet this week who need our help. Amen. We're going to sing again in a moment and um, the, the hymn that we're going to sing, the song we're going to sing is Take My Life and Let It Be, which fits in really well with, the, with what I've just been talking about, about taking what we have and using it uh, for God. Um, Judith has asked me to point out that it's sung to a slightly different tune than you might be used to, so you're prepared for that. And uh, Jonathan also reminded me that the original song here was written by Frances Ridley Havergill 150 years ago, and she was actually the first organist in this church in St. Paul's. So uh, I'll hand over to the band now. 